The True Crime Society podcast contains adult themes and violence and is not intended for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. What's up, guys? Welcome to another episode of the True Crime Society podcast with Stephanie and Olivia. It is Wednesday, March 2nd, 4.30 p.m. here, and if you can't already tell, I'm getting over being sick, so I sound kind of congested. Um, I know my voice is, like, already kind of annoying to begin with, so now it's probably even more annoying, but, I mean, I don't know, you just have to deal with it. <laughs> this episode... It's also going to come out on, I think, March 10th, so that's the day after my birthday. So hopefully I had a great birthday. Happy birthday to you. I'll be 31. Thank you. <laughs> Still a baby. Sometimes, like, Do you forget your age sometimes? <laughs> well, no, I don't actually yet, but maybe in a few years I'll want to start forgetting. <laughs> I feel like I like don't forget, but I always second guess myself. I'll be like, oh, I'm 30. And I'm like, I'm 30, right? In my head. <laughs> What year is it? Yeah, like I always like second guess myself and panic. I guess that's part of being like a insecure bitch. So <laughs> comes along with everyone pointing out every word I pronounce slightly wrong or name I pronounce slightly wrong on the podcast. Everyone's got it in for you. <laughs> I think I get a free pass because yeah. they figure I don't know what I'm talking about anyway because I'm from a different country. But they're like, oh, it's regional. <laughs> But, but with me they're like yeah she's a dumb idiot but some people you know it's become like an inside jokes like some mm-hmm. people think it's fun I think it's fun I did listen like, to another podcast the other day and they were talking about Oregon or Oregon and both like so there's two hosts and each of them said it differently so <clears throat> and they were both American I think sometimes it is just a regional thing yeah because someone messaged us and they weren't being rude or anything but they're saying how you probably around there they say Oregon and I said in the podcast Oregon like, I'm in New York. I'm, like, the farthest I could be away from there. But I say it that way because, like, in school we would play the game Oregon Trail. And, like, everyone would say it Oregon Trail. So I feel like it's kind of like Pirates of the Caribbean. Like, you say it Pirates of the Caribbean, even if you say it as Caribbean. Caribbean. Like, yeah. you like some people say Pirates of the Caribbean, but it sounds wrong. <laughs> so I, I don't know. Like- I don't freaking say Oregon that much. Oregon. Oregon, Oregon. <laughs> I feel like everyone knows what we mean anyway. So we're trying our best. We look up all the pronunciations, but sometimes we still get a little bit wrong. Yeah, you don't really, like I was a writing major in school. I read a lot. I had to read out loud a lot. So you'd think I'd be better at it, but you really don't realize how many things you like don't say out loud very often until you're doing a podcast about like just random little tidbits of small <laughs> town from Minnesota and you're like damn I said that wrong and then the whole state of Minnesota is mad at you <laughs> no forgive you it'll be fine <laughs> yeah so sorry in advance <laughs> and there's actually there's some some names this episode that are a little hard to say or we've seen them spelt a few different ways but you know I listened to some videos so I feel prepared right, that's good we're ready to go this case this episode is going to be about still missing Orin and Orson West. There's actually, it's been like a pretty quiet case for the last like over a year. And then suddenly yesterday, for once, something happened before we recorded, some arrests were made. Um, I don't want to spoil the story if you haven't heard it already. For once, things happened before we recorded. But I'm sure yeah. there'll be more updates now that things are kind of moving along. I'm still blown away by the timing. Like literally nothing has happened in this case for months until probably 12 hours ago or 14 hours ago when things started to happen. So 
I'm very glad that we get to talk about those things in this episode. Olivia texted me internationally in all capitals about what happened. <laughs> and I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> I always want something good when I get a text from you. Yeah, it's always – I remember Cleo was another text and when they found Cleo and probably some Gabby Petito stuff as well. But, yeah, when I need to make sure that you see it quickly, <laughs> I send you a text. <laughs> yeah, I'll – I'll always love they ducking found Cleo. <laughs> <laughs> Couldn't get it out quick enough. <laughs> All right. We might hear rain in the background for you, it's, but hopefully not actually, you're still drowning over there. Well, actually, it's like literally just started pouring again. Like I think in the last episode I spoke about how it had been raining, still raining, hasn't stopped raining. There's horrendous floods, um, not so much near me, but I know a lot of people have lost everything in the floods, which is just horrible. So um, I'm not, you know, I can't complain too much about the never-ending rain, but yeah, it is crazy, crazy weather still here on the east coast of Australia. So I'm hoping it doesn't interrupt the recording too much. But if you do hear a little bit, that's why. So wasn't Australia on fire last summer? I don't think it was last summer. I think it was because last summer was COVID. Yeah. <laughs> so I think maybe two or three years ago, like I think probably two years, not last summer, but probably summer, summer before. before. Yeah. So you got and then fire, we, COVID, and now yeah. we had a plus. drought. We had a drought, then we had fires, then we had COVID, and now we've got more water than we can deal with. So I don't know I what's wonder what going next on. year will hold. Yeah, I don't know. We don't we don't get snow and stuff. So I where I live anyway, we don't. So it can't be that, hopefully. <laughs> it might <laughs> be with the way things are going. <laughs> Who even You're knows anymore? Blizzard. Yeah. I even picked up my kids early from school yesterday because everyone was freaking out about how much water there was going to be. And I was worried that the roads would flood and I wouldn't be able to pick them up. And we've sandbagged our house as well because we live on a, we're, we live on high, like we live on a hill, but kind of the back of the house backs onto the hill. So we could get some flooding like in the down. back of the house. Yeah. So we've sandbagged the house. My husband's got pumps set up, pumping water. It's just, yeah, that's a lot. <laughs> Crazy. Crazy times. Hopefully nearly over, fingers crossed. Just a few more days and it should be done. Yeah. And like I said, I just remembered because last episode was like our more lighthearted episode. We're right back on track with missing kids now. Yeah. Another, yeah, sad one. Yeah. All right. Well, let's get right into it then. (laughs) (laughs) So like I said, today we're going to discuss the case of missing brothers Orin and Orson West. Orin was four and Orson was three when they disappeared from the home of their adoptive parents, on December 21st, 2020. The home was located in California City, California. Where are Orin and Orson West? Bakersfield police have been on this case for months and insist it is not cold, but as of this week, the young brothers have been missing for 10 months. The backyard of this home in California City is said to be the last place where the two brothers were seen right before Christmas. Orin and Orson would now be five and four years old. Their adoptive parents told police that the boys were playing out back on the afternoon of December 21st, but the brothers were gone when they went out to check on them later. Bakersfield police have taken over the investigation and admit they are keeping the majority of their evidence under wraps. The adoptive parents have since moved and are no longer talking. Some background information on the boys' lives. Their biological father is a man named Charles Pettis. And their mother is Ryan Dean. Orin's birth name was Sincere, spelt with a C. And Orson's was Classic, also with a C, obviously. So you got the double C's going on. They both had the last name Pettis. The two brothers were put up for adoption when they were young. It hasn't been publicly confirmed about why Ryan lost custody of the boys, but she claims it was because of medical marijuana use. 
Um, this is a post from her on Facebook kind of talking about the situation. She's very angry, obviously. On Facebook, her name is Paprika Dean. I don't know if it still is. This could be an old screenshot. Yeah, I think that screenshot was taken around the time that the boys went missing. So she may have changed her name on there now. Yeah. But if you see it in the blog, Paprika is Ryan, the mom. So it says, fuck you, Kern County. How could y'all let this happen? Y'all fucked me twice. Y'all took mines for no MF reason. I did everything y'all asked me to fucking do to get my boys back, and I did. And y'all still fucked me in the end. And now this. I'm hurt. I don't need no sympathy from nobody. And if you don't know or understand the story to how they ended up there, you won't understand me. Y'all fucked me, and now y'all lost mine. I'm so on fucking edge right now. This is fucking ridiculous. I can't think. I can barely breathe. How could y'all let this happen? I don't understand. I'm far from unfit, and y'all MFs got me out here with a fucked up brain, and I have to sit and pretend to smile and be happy, pretend to live my best life. Motherfuckers question me how much I can live without mine, and I can't, but I had to. MFs No, I'm a sweet person. I love kids. I've raised kids who wasn't biologically mine to try to get over the hurt that's in my heart. And this is how y'all fucking repay me. Damn, that was a marathon because I can't fucking breathe to begin with. Very long sentence. A very long run on sentence. Yeah, so I read it how she wrote it. Obviously, MFs is motherfuckers. I just stayed true to the copy. She also spoke to the media about why the boys were removed. She said. I was at work. I noticed my baby's cry wasn't normal, she said about Oren. When I got home and I took him straight to the hospital, they said his femur bone was broken and twisted. He had a broken thigh bone, but she said she didn't know how it happened. She said the injury led to Child Protective Services taking the boys from her. She said, I have a good background. I don't have a police record. Never been in jail. They've been missing since 5 p.m. yesterday, which is, I don't understand. I don't understand. (laughs) If they find my kids, can they just give them back to me? Whatever I have to do to work on it, to get them. I have a home, I have a car, I have a job. I I have money, it's nothing to provide for them. I don't come, I come from a good background, as you can see, and I don't understand. I just want my babies. If they find them, just give them back to me, please. (laughs) That's all I want. If they just find them, I just want my kids back to me. Their biological father has spoken about the boys being adopted and said, they took my family, they took my life, they took my life away from me. My kids are my life. That's my family. I feel like um, the kids were taken probably because of this injury. I really don't think it had anything to do with her medical marijuana use, as she has insinuated in the past. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, true, because it's legal in California. Yeah. But. So. but the other thing is, too, the father wasn't involved in the boy's life, so he now seems to be very involved, um, which we'll go into later as well. But he talks, you know, a lot of people have been like, well, where were you when these kids were put up for adoption? Why didn't, you know, they, they shouldn't have been a need for them to be put up for adoption, basically. Yeah, if they were taken from the mother, he should have stepped up and taken them if he was able to. Yeah, I have seen some things that also say that I'm not sure if both boys were his, one of them definitely was, but I'm not sure if they both were his biological children. But either way, they both had his last name, so he was essentially the father of the two children. But first, a word from our sponsor, Magic Spoon. Growing up cereal was one of the best parts of being a kid, but I had to give it up because I realized it was full of sugar and junk that you shouldn't really eat. 
We're all trying to eat better, but healthy breakfast doesn't have to be boring. Magic Spoon has the amazing flavors you love, but without all the bad stuff. It has zero grams of sugar, 13 to 14 grams of protein, and only four net grams of carbs in each serving. There's also only 140 calories a serving. It's keto-friendly, gluten-free, grain-free, soy-free, and low-carb. The variety pack has four flavors. There's cocoa, fruity, frosted, and peanut butter. Mixing cocoa with peanut butter tastes exactly like a peanut butter cup. You know, my favorite cereal growing up was always the chocolate and peanut butter combo ones. Still a fave to this day. (laughs) (laughs) Yum. Go to magicspoon.com slash TCS to grab a variety pack and try it today. And be sure to use our promo code TCS at checkout to save $5 off your order. A Magic Spoon is so confident in their product, it's backed with a 100% happiness guarantee. So if you don't like it for any reason, they'll refund your money, no questions asked. Remember, get your next delicious bowl of guilt-free cereal at magicspoon.com slash TCS and use the code TCS to save $5. Thank you, Magic Spoon, for sponsoring this episode. So... Ryan did not see the boys again after 2018. They were adopted by a couple, Trizel and Jacqueline West. That couple changed the boys' names to Oren and Orson. They were living in Sacramento, California at the time of adoption. And just to note, we've seen Trizel's name written a few different ways, but we're going to stick with Trizel for this episode. That's how we've seen it, like, kind of pronounced on local news stations. So again, if that's wrong, I'm sorry. I, I was, did a little research. <laughs> I was reading one article before we started recording today, and in that article, they actually called him by two different names. So I've seen it written Trezell, T-R-E-Z-E-L-L, and then another way that is very common is T-R-E-Z-O-L, um, both very similar, but we'll just – and in the blog, I'll just use Trezell. The West family already had four other kids, two biological and two adopted. The family ended up moving from Sacramento to California City, which is around 350 miles and a 5.5-hour drive away. So December 21st, 2020 is the day that the boys were allegedly last seen. Oren and Orson were the only children in the West household that day. The other four children were at their grandparents' house, which is already kind of weird. Like, why just not them too? This info about the disappearance comes from KGET.com and says, quote, Giselle says his wife Jacqueline was wrapping Christmas presents that afternoon. And from what we've seen in other timelines, it seems like this happened around 5 p.m. And he said, We thought it was a good idea that our youngest two go outside and play with chalk on the patio. Trezell wanted to build a fire in their fireplace. And he went out the back door with the boys. He opened a side gate and left the yard to gather wood, walking past the boys as he carried the wood into the house. He said, I came in the house, saw them there, went into the house, came back out, didn't see them there. I realized I left the gate open and I panicked. A neighbor security camera shows at 4.32 p.m. Trezell jumped into the family's white van, but police later said that the camera was an hour off and it was actually 5.32 p.m. that this happened. Trezell said, I searched and I searched. I called their names, talked to a gentleman on the street on the other side over there. He didn't see them. I came home. I told my wife, we need to call the cops. It's getting dark. I need help. We've got to get going. So, tell us what happened the night the kids went missing. Okay. From our yard. Okay. It was cold. I was going to make a fire. There's a lot of wood in this area right here next to our house. I opened up the back gate. I'm throwing wood, bringing it inside the house. 
my wife's inside. She was actually wrapping gifts, so we thought it was a good idea. And they got our youngest to go outside and play with chalk on the, the back patio. Do not let them go on the dirt in the backyard. We keep them close. So I was playing with chalk, and I came in the house. I saw them there. I went in the house. I came back out. I didn't see them now. I immediately went back in, asked my wife, did you see the boys? She said, no, they should be outside playing with chalk. I said, well, I didn't see them. So I came back outside and I started searching my backyard. I searched the whole thing. I realized that I left the gate open and I panicked, came inside the house, searched the house, me and my wife. Once that hadn't pan out, I got in the van I looked down the street, most directions. It was getting dark, getting cold, and I got in the van and I hit a bunch of corners. I went down this street, I turned my light on, I searched, I searched, I called their names. I talked to a gentleman on the street on the other side over there, he didn't see anyone. So then I came home and I told my wife, we need to call the cops. It's getting dark and I need help, we gotta get going. So I called the cops, cops came. First thing they did was tell us to stay in the house so they can get a hold of us. And they had us just sitting there, and we wanted to keep searching. But everybody came out in droves, and I wanted to thank you guys that night, but we couldn't go outside. Drizelle called the police just before 6 p.m. Police and dozens of locals searched the area for the kids that night, but the adoptive parents say police told them to stay inside their home. The cops told us the best are out here, Jacqueline said. She also said that their other boys came to help search for the boys. She said, My daughter was like, no, mom, we got to do something. We got to help. So we came out and we started driving around town, went to ballparks, places a little kid would hide, thinking maybe they just got out of the house and they're scared. Around 8 p.m. that night, California City Police sent out a news release that provided a description of the boys, but not their names or photographs. Police also took dogs to the home in the area surrounding it that night. The California City Chief of Police, John Walker, has said the dogs found the scent inside the home, but didn't smell the children leaving the house. So it seems like searching wrapped up around midnight and then started again around 9 a.m. on December 22nd. From there, police obtained a warrant to search the West household on December 22nd. They were seen leaving the property with bags of evidence. The West vehicle was also towed away. Police were seen digging in the backyard. Officials did say at the time that the parents were cooperating, though. Um, there's some pictures of that that'll be on the blog. Just police bringing out bags of evidence. The FBI and Bakersfield police quickly joined the investigation as supporting agencies. Um, the mayor of California City, Jeannie O'Lawlin, said, Almost everybody I run into, that's the first thing they say. Have you heard anything about those babies? Trizel spoke to the media on this day and told them that the remaining four children had been removed from their care since the disappearance. He also said that police had seized their cell phones and other electronic devices. So December 21st, 2020 was a Monday, and by Wednesday, the boy's biological mother had come to join the search. She spoke to KGET about coming to the search. She said, I just had to be here because my babies are supposedly missing from this house, so I just need to be here right now. Ryan, remember, she's the biological mom, also made social media posts about the adoptive parents. She said, they did something. Why would all the bottles of liquor be in y'all's trash can and a bag of sawdust? Y'all was already preparing to call the police, so y'all cleaned out the house. Just tell the truth, man. And she also said, 
The gentleman reporting last night said there was no chalk drawings on the back patio. The dad said they were out there playing with chalk. Not a very good story. <laughs> no, rookie mistake. All he had to say was they're out there playing. He didn't have to say they're out there playing with chalk. Like he obviously put tried to put too much detail in and it backfired. Yeah. I don't get the sawdust comment. Like, am I dumb? No, I am. I don't know. Maybe she was insinuating that. I don't know. I don't really get it either. But maybe she was insinuating that they used it to like soak up something. But then I'm sure that the police would find blood or whatever. You know, I don't know. Yeah. I don't really understand that either. I'm assuming that she said the liquor bottles because they must have had a lot. So they were cleaning it out yeah. so the police wouldn't think that they were alcoholics or whatever. But yeah, I don't know about the sawdust. Yeah, I thought the same thing. Sawdust makes me just think of like in elementary school and kids throw up and the janitor has to like put sawdust, just like type stuff on it to absorb it. That's what I would assume she means, but. Weird things to have in the trash regardless though. Liquor and sawdust. On December 26th, the community of California City held a vigil for Orin and Orson. One of the residents, Lauren Romero, she said, this hits very close to home to me. I want to find these boys. There's too many missing cases in this town. There's too many of us mothers that have band together, and we will not stop until we find these children. Mayor O'Lawlin said, anytime someone goes missing, it's a tragedy, but we have two small children here that affects all of us. I've seen such an outpouring of care and love. People have been out here 24 hours a day since the beginning. On December 29th, the police carried out another search at the West Home, but this time they entered with their guns drawn. California City Police Chief John Walker told the media on this day that foul play was suspected and nothing was found when investigators dug up the West family's backyard. He also spoke about the excavation of the West backyard and the search for evidence. He said, We are just trying to dig up anything, any clues that we could possibly find to find out where they have gone and also to confirm that they're not in the backyard. He also spoke more about the circumstances surrounding the disappearance. He said, we have no way of knowing how they got out of the yard. There's nothing that shows how they got out of the yard or if they wandered out of the yard. Um, the police chief said that authorities knocked on nearly every door in their neighborhood and none of the neighbors have seen the kids. Ever a reporter asked? No, the chief replied. The family moved into the neighborhood in September, which was two months before the boys vanished. It was also confirmed during this press conference that one of the missing children had a fractured leg at some point in time, which I guess would Could be, be related that to that. Yeah, original one, but I, like I feel like because they pointed it out, um, maybe it's an additional fracture. I don't know, but may, maybe it, I don't know. I don't really understand the point of it, or or the, and they've never clarified. I think if it was a fracture that happened when they were with the adoptive family, or if it was the fracture that happened with the biological mother. Seems random. Trizal and Jacqueline had moved out of their home by this point. They said this was due to threats they had been receiving. They also said that people had been trespassing on their property which sounds a little similar to what's been going on with Summerwell's YouTubers and people showing up to their house. Never a great idea, guys. Let's like no. not do that. <laughs> on January 2nd, 2021, the adoptive family. So the statement comes from the West family, which is the adoptive family, which is like Trizel and Jacqueline's family. But seems like it's not them giving the statement. It's like the rest of the family because they kind of talk about them in the third person. So a little weird, but that's what it is, I guess. It's really long, so we'll put the whole thing on the blog, but this is the part of it that seems most important. It says, Past two weeks have been a true nightmare. On Monday, December 21st, our youngest two grandchildren, nephews, cousins were reported missing by their parents in California City. Our priority is to find out where the boys are and their safe return. 
The truth has to and will come to light. There are also four other children affected that our family is working overtime to protect and shield from this nightmare. We have engaged with a team of private investigators and are proactively supporting the official investigation. Um, And so in the next part of the statement, they talk about the boys and how they were adopted with some of their siblings. So I do believe that there may have been more biological siblings adopted by the West's family. Um, The identity of these kids isn't public or, you know, it may be known online, but we're not going to mention their names here because they are minors. And I'm assuming there's a reason why they haven't been mentioned as being siblings. But the boys were adopted with either a sibling or some of their siblings to the West family. Okay, so this is that part of the statement. It says, the boys and their sibling joined our family legally last year when the parental rights of their birth mother were taken away by the state of California. And the birth fathers collectively gave up their parental rights. Before you go on there. So I also think that maybe when they mention birth fathers here, this might be where some of the confusion comes in about if Charles Pettis is the biological father of the two boys. He very well could be. And maybe the third child, the other sibling, has a different father. Um, yeah. But it's just, all, just a, thinking. Yeah, all a bit messy and confusing. So there was definitely multiple fathers for these siblings, but which of the siblings have which fathers, we're not entirely 100% sure. Right. So from day one, when the boys and their siblings came into our lives through emergency foster care, our number one priority was to embrace them and treat them as our own. When the approval to adopt was granted last year, we were ecstatic that they would have a permanent home. We will not bash the biological family of the boys, but it should be noted that they were placed into the system for various reasons and were adopted as a result. We are sure the pain and anger we feel is also felt by the biological family and our hearts go out to them. There have been speculation and theories as to why we, the extended family, are not physically leading the volunteer search efforts on the ground in California City and why we have avoided the press. Those theories do not reflect that in less than 24 hours of the disappearance of the boys, our extended family started receiving threats of physical violence, including death threats. Family members who live thousands of miles away have also received the same threats. We were advised appropriately to avoid public spaces and crowds given the immediacy and intensity of these threats. In fact, the boys' home has been pelted with rocks, windows have been broken, and vandals have attempted to break in. While we understand the anger and frustration felt by so many, this type of response has complicated our ability to lean in fully and has distracted from the actual search. All threats have been taken seriously by the FBI and local law enforcement. January 4th, 2021, local businesses around California City had raised $25,000 for a reward. By January 17th, the reward money had grown to over $100,000. California City Police Chief John Walker said around this time, that his officers were following up on every tip they received. He did say there had been no major developments in the case, though. Have you ever had an acne breakout come at the worst possible time? I know I have. I'm pretty sure before any major event that I have coming up, my face always breaks out. And then instead of being excited for it, I just know that I dread all the photos that are coming up. I try to spend the whole time hiding my face and it really puts a damper on having a good time. We've all had struggles with our skin and that's why we are excited to partner with Apostrophe, the sponsor of this episode. Apostrophe is a prescription skincare company that offers science-backed oral and topical medications that are clinically proven to help clear acne. Apostrophe connects you with a board-certified dermatologist who will create a personalized treatment plan that is perfectly tailored to your unique skin. 
Simply fill out Apostrophe's online quiz about your skin goals and medical history. Then snap a few selfies and your dermatologist will create your customized treatment plan. Apostrophe treats all types of acne, from hormonal acne to facial acne, and even chestnut, knee, back knee, and butt knee. They treat breakouts from head to toe. So I got my package the other day, and I'm totally a sucker for cute packaging, but this packaging was so cute. Everything is bright yellow, and it has cute little fonts. It made me so happy to get it. It was a good mail day. <laughs> yeah. So we have a special deal for our audience. Save $15 off with your first visit with an apostrophe provider at apostrophe.com slash TCS when you use our code TCS. This code is only available to our listeners. To get started, just go to apostrophe.com slash TCS and click begin visit. Then use our code TCS at sign up and you'll get your first visit for only $5. That's A-P-O-S-T-R-O-P-H-E dot com slash TCS and use that code TCS to get your dermatologist crafted treatment plan for $5. And we thank Apostrophe for sponsoring this podcast. Another vigil was held for the boys on January 25th and an article was released by Baker's by Bakersfield Now on January 28th, 2021. Um, So this is from the Bakersfield Now article. It says, Police Chief John Walker said that the West claimed they left their home on December 19th with their six children to go do Christmas shopping in Bakersfield. Security camera footage from a neighbor shows an adult holding the door open while four children go into the van. Then later that day, two adults, which appear to be Trezell and Jacqueline West, come back to the house without any kids. Chief Walker says the parents claim they dropped off four of their children, not including Orin and Orson, at a family member's home that day. Walker says December 19th was the last day the other four children say they saw Orin and Orson. Police were seen back at the West home on February 1st, 2021. They were seen using, they were seen using imaging devices that could take images several feet underground, but police said nothing was found during the visit. There's lots of photos online of kind of the family home in the backyard. It's very dry, um, I'm assuming, which is what the area is like. Like there's no real grass. It's It looks like so. the fucking prairie. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, it's it's just it looks like hard ground. It's very barren, very, I guess, desolate. But, I, you know, I'm assuming that's just the kind of landscape up there. But Yeah. Anyway, there's photos on the blog so you can see the area and what they were searching for anyway. The biological family of the boys raised money and put up billboards to raise awareness for the boys in February 2021. Deandra Key, a member from the biological family, said, It's heartbreaking to see their faces up there because they're babies. They shouldn't be missing. Their faces shouldn't be on a billboard at all. They should be with their family. Rosanna Wills, she's a cousin of the boys, she said, Not everybody's on social media. Not everybody watches the news. So maybe someone that's traveling can see it and we and we might get a tip. You never know who might know something. There was a GoFundMe to raise money for the billboards. We had a look, and it was closed off after raising almost $4,000. I find it interesting, and I've seen a lot of comments online too about how they seem to have a lot of biological family who have now come out of the woodwork, but I wonder where these people were when the kids were put up for adoption. Yeah. On March 1st, 2021, It was announced that the Bakersfield Police Department was now the main agency in this investigation. Um, They said in a press release, we understand the public outcry for information regarding the ongoing efforts to locate Orrin and Orson West. Significant resources have and will continue to be allocated to explore all tips, investigative, to explore all tips, investigative leads and possibilities. 
However, specific information regarding law enforcement efforts, strategies, and knowledge will not be released to protect the integrity of the investigation. Our goal is the return of the boys, and the investigation will continue until that is accomplished. All inquiries regarding this investigation should be directed to the Bakersfield Police Department. So on March 6th, the Bakersfield Police conducted searches around the areas of Cottonwood and East Pacheco. It's now been almost two and a half months since three-year-old Orson and four-year-old Orrin West were reported missing. Law enforcement is keeping much of this investigation under wraps. The facts of the case are still going forward. The boys have not been located and there has been no arrests made. But new developments have brought renewed energy to thousands looking for answers. Boys will be found. They will be brought home. Most recently, law enforcement searched for evidence in a dirt lot in southeast Bakersfield. It's near the Casa Loma apartments, where the adoptive parents of Orrin and Orson West used to live. This is not the first search that has been conducted in the city of Bakersfield by the Bakersfield Police Department during our participation in this investigation. I expect that there will be more searches. There's been numerous interviews, numerous search warrants, and that will continue uh, until we know what happened. Kern County Search and Rescue went out with more than 50 Bakersfield police officers and FBI agents to search the grounds. They also brought canines. As far as if any items of evidentiary value were located, I can't get into specifics. Police also would not say what caused this search party. Many Bakersfield residents have searched for evidence around this area before. The boys were not found and police said they could not say what led them to the field because they need to preserve the integrity of the investigation. Around 50 officers and the FBI were involved in the search. Even in a lot of the videos I watched today, too, it seems like they were very tight-lipped about a lot of the stuff that was going on. But clearly, with like the new information, they were finding evidence. I think yeah. there was a fear that maybe the parents or whoever would run if they knew that they were being investigated or something. Yeah, I think so, too. On March 12th, police served a search warrant at the home of the adoptive grandmother. Investigators were seen leaving with brown bags, according to neighbor Vina Jefferson. And if we remember from Harmony, brown bags means biological evidence of some type, maybe DNA, things like that, things that could rot or go bad in plastic bags. So the neighbor Vina said, police cars that were out there, out here, two houses down, and then they went all the way to the end of the block. They were in the yard. And they stayed for around <laughs> and they stayed around for a while. Then four of them left. There were two still left, and they stayed, maybe no longer than thirty minutes, if that long, and then they left. But that truck that's in the yard wasn't there. That was really hard to read. I know, it's a lot. It's very PC. They could have just said basically there was police and then they were there for a while and then they left. <laughs> There was police. Police were here, and then they left. <laughs> it was too long, didn't read. Um, the department did not provide any additional information about the warrant, saying that limited information is being provided to protect the integrity of the investigation and ultimately safeguard any facts from being tainted, blah, blah, blah. Same thing. The public is strongly discouraged from making assumptions of guilt and dissemination of rumor and speculation. By March 19th, the reward for the return of the boys was $125,000. Wanda West, the adoptive grandmother of the boys, released a statement on March 28th. We just took out like an excerpt of it. The whole thing will be on the blog. It says, 
When I learned that two of my grandchildren, the youngest, Oren and Orson, had disappeared this past December from their home in California City, I was devastated. I am still devastated in, in disbelief more than three months later that this has happened to these innocent babies and they have not been found. That they are not safe and sound at home with us is horrendous. Less than 18 hours after their disappearance, we made the heart-wrenching choice to place their four brothers, my other babies, in the hands of the FBI for their protection. We had no clue what was happening or who was out there, and in an instant, all six of my grandchildren were gone, out of my reach. I was shocked, hurt, worried, upset, and confused. Today, I am still in shock, hurt, worried, upset, but not confused. I am clear that my purpose and mission is to get my babies back, all six of them. Someone knows exactly where Oren and Orson are and what happened in December. Come forward. God and our family has already forgiven you, and you will be free from guilt and burden. You will be free from the guilt and burden I know you are carrying. These are babies who are loved and have an entire future waiting for them to explore. Release them and yourself from this. All we want are the boys back. So I'm a bit confused about this statement because basically everything I've seen is that the six children they had, the four adopted children, the two biological, were all boys. But I know that Jacqueline did mention earlier about a daughter, how she said something like, my daughter said we need to search. So I'm not entirely sure what's going on there. If anyone else does know about it doesn't really matter, but, you know, just to get a full picture of the story that I have seen it mentioned once that she had a daughter, but the rest of the time I've seen it that they were all boys. So it's a bit confusing. Yeah, I've seen all boys too, but she did definitely say, like, my daughter. Yeah, like it's a quote, my daughter said, let's search. Well, I can't remember the exact quote, but it was definitely mentioned a daughter. Maybe she has, like, an adult daughter? Yeah, it could be. I was thinking that too. Very well could be. I don't know. Anyway, they had six... They definitely had six boys at least. So there's also an account on Medium created by the West family to give like updates and stuff. It's kind of like a blog medium. Um, it's findourboys2021.medium.com. And um, the, grand- the grandmother's statement that I just read is the last update on there. So as Stephanie mentioned before, this case did get a lot of attention from online, you know, sleuths and YouTubers. Some of them lost their minds pretty early on in the case. One YouTuber, Doug Hutton, um, accused a neighbor of the Wests of being involved in the case. The neighbor then kind of retaliated and put pictures of Doug all over the adoptive parent's house with a banner asking, Doug Hutton, where are the boys? (laughs) Doug saw those postings and he took them down. The Chief John Walker spoke about this incident. He said, Doug went to the neighbor's house. He was walking around the house. One of the people who lives in that house showed up and they had a confrontation in the street. We responded and had to deal with that. He ended up going to jail because he had some outstanding misdemeanor warrants. And then John Walker also spoke about, you know, that this was taking attention away from the actual case. He said, now I have to use my resources to respond to these incidents and deal with these incidents. That is taking focus away from the actual investigation. That sound like Summerwells. Yeah, exactly. I feel like that's, there's so many parallels in that way to Summerwells. People just really inserting themselves in this case. Yeah. So March 31, 2021, marked 100 days since the boys vanished. Sergeant Robert Pear spoke on that day and he said, every day there are developments and the unfortunate reality is that we can't come out and talk about those developments. Right now, there's information, if it's released, could compromise the integrity of the investigation. So after that update, though, the searches did seem to slow down. I guess that had been, you know, four months since they were last seen. 
The Bakersfield police at the time said they had no news to share, but they had not given up the search. On June 1st, 2021, Bakersfield police did another update. They released a graphic with kind of stats about the case. They said 44 warrants had been served, 83 people had been interviewed, and 170 items had been seized. June 12th, 2021 marked what would have been Orson's first fourth birthday. Friends and family held a party for him. I think this may have been the biological family again. Um, Keisha Stevenson, who attended the party, said, it's important because he's four. Just because he's not here doesn't mean we aren't supposed to do anything. Cole Crenshaw, who's a, fa- a friend of the family, said, we just wanted to bring awareness to this situation and let the babies know, hopefully, that they are out there and we are fighting for them. We are looking for them and we are not going to stop. We are going to continue to pray, bring awareness and do whatever we can to bring these babies home. There was another you know, non-update on July 7, which was 200 days into the case. Police spoke again about how it was still active and have not gone cold. The Chief Greg Terry said, make no mistake, this is very important to us. A lot of resources have been devoted to this and we will work until we have answers. So the biological father, Charles Pettis, spoke again to the media in October 2021. He said, I don't want my kids to be deceased. I want them to come back home because my kids is all I got. After my parents go, it's just me and my kids. He also spoke about how he first found out that his kids had been adopted in the first place, and I think this kind of supports the theory that he wasn't involved in the kid's life before they went missing because he would have known that otherwise. He said, I was looking through family members' phones, and then we watched the news. That's how we found out. I didn't know they even sent them out to other people. So I have read some articles that say Charles had another child who died at some point in an accident. And he said, they took my family, they took my kids away from me. My kids are my life. No matter how long it takes, how hard it's going to be, I won't give up. I will never give up. I feel like he must have signed away his rights, though, or something at some point, because they, I doubt they could just put the kids up for adoption without him knowing if he had some sort of rights to them. Yeah, I would agree with that. I, I don't know the actual you know, circumstances, but I would agree. You, they couldn't. They could maybe foster the children out, but they couldn't let them be adopted without both parents. Or he's lying that he, like, didn't know. Yeah. Um, so Brian Enton, who we speak about a lot, he has also <laughs> investigated this case. In October last year, he made a tweet and it said, it has been 10 months since four-year-old Oren West and his brother, three-year-old Orson, were reported missing. Our commitment to missing people doesn't end with Gabby Petito. So he was always kind of looking into this case as well. Um, In December 2021, which is the lead up to the first anniversary of the boys' disappearance, a toy drive was organised in honour of the boys. Volunteers collected toys, books and clothing that was distributed to more than 50 children. So that's a nice, you know, thing to do in their memory and their honour. That seemed like the silver lining, I guess, is like the community really came together and did a lot of vigils and drives and it seems like the community really did put in a lot of effort into finding them and keeping their name out there. I've read too that they did monthly vigils and like prayer sessions for the boys. So like it's not, it's something, you know, it's been 16 months or 17 months or so yeah. around that anyway. It's been a while. So, you know, they did, they've still kept their, you know, the case alive in the community. Yeah. So that same month, Charles, the biological father, launched a lawsuit against Kearns County. Kern Child Protective Services took the boys from their biological parents and placed them with Jacqueline and Trezell. 
His lawsuit says that the county was negligent to take the boys from their birth parents. Um, his mother, Brenda, is also listed in this, so I'm, you know, I don't really get why she is, but anyway, it's <laughs> a bit strange. Maybe because I'm assuming that him and Ryan were no longer together, so maybe Brenda was helping him care for the kids if he ever did have them. Yeah. Um, the suit also alleges wrongful death. The wrongful death allegation is based on reports that human remains were apparently found near where the boys disappeared. The attorney, his attorney, Anthony Castillo, Castillo spoke about it and he said they recently found human remains. It looks like they were found in early November. So the children's father, Mr. Pettis, went in to allow DNA to be collected to see if there was a potential DNA match. Bakersfield police declined to comment on the discovery of remains and said it's a routine process that they ask family of missing persons to submit DNA. And the Kearns County CPS said they did not have any comment about the lawsuit. The Pettis family attorney, Darren Ritchie, said Kern County put the brothers, as in Oren and Orson, in an unsafe situation and is responsible for whatever happened. We believe that they, as in the CPS, are responsible for their disappearance. We will see if that turns into more and it is incumbent upon these bureaucratic government agencies to do more with respect with the lives of children. This is not a puppy that we are taking from one shelter to another. These are human beings. So I had kind of followed this case since the boys went missing and I didn't realize that any remains had been found until I started re- uh, researching this episode. I had a look to see if I could find which remains they were. Um, there is some speculation online. There were some bones found in Victorville, but that's 70 miles from where the boys went missing. I don't really know if there's any reason why the boys would be tied to there. Um, that's the only possibility really find that may be related, but we'll get into it. I don't think it is now, but you know, at the time that was possibly what I thought. So I also looked in NamUs, and that has not been updated with any unidentified remains in Kern County since 2018. So I'm not sure where Charles was getting this information or if they just, you know, I, I know it is likely and was likely at that time that the boys were deceased. So maybe he just included the wrongful death in that kind of regard. I feel like this whole thing, like, obviously it's hard to have a full opinion on it because we don't know a lot of the custody things and because they're minors, but it just kind of seems like this is like a a last minute Hail Mary by him to either not look like a bad person and to also maybe make this a payday. Yeah, I agree. Before we get into the rest of the episode, a quick word from our sponsor, Green Chef. Green Chef makes eating well easy with plans to fit every lifestyle. Whether you're keto, paleo, vegan, vegetarian, gluten-free, or just looking to eat more balanced meals, Green Chef offers a range of recipes to suit your preferences. Green Chef offers 35 nutritious and flavorful options to choose from every week, featuring premium clean ingredients that are seasonally sourced for peak freshness. Green Chef's always changing variety of easy-to-follow recipes means there's something new to discover each week so you'll never get bored. Avoid long lines at the grocery store. Green Chef is so convenient with pre-portioned, easy-to-file recipes that are delivered right to your door. Green Chef saves you time by taking care of meal planning, grocery shopping, and most of the prep for a week after week so you don't have to. Honestly, that's what I'm looking forward to so much. Working full-time, having the podcast, I feel like I'm always doing something, and honestly, grocery shopping is such a chore. 
I'm really looking forward to the time that this is going to save me. Go to greenchef.com slash TCS130 and use the code TCS130 to get $130 off plus free shipping. That's go to greenchef.com slash TCS130 and use the code TCS130 to get $130 off as well as free shipping. Green Chef is the number one meal kit for eating well. And thank you to Green Chef for sponsoring this episode. So we are now in early March 2022 when we are recording. One of the most recent updates was just before yesterday, obviously, was just an article from February 21, and it was about it being 14 months since the boys vanished. Um, As I said, they still had monthly community prayers as a way of keeping the boys in the limelight. Um, One other update that also happened just before we recorded was that the chief, John Walker, announced he was retiring after two years with the department and almost three decades in law enforcement in L.A., he did speak about the case of Oren and Orson recently, and he said, we did everything we could with that case, and I'm at peace with that. I have not given up hope for those kids. I still wake up every day thinking about them, but it is abs- it absolutely had nothing to do with my decision to retire. And he spoke about why he was retiring. He said, I've taken this department to a place where we can push farther, but the fact that the resources aren't there for us to push any farther. I don't think I can take us any farther at this point. So maybe it's time for some new ideas for someone new to come in and to take them to the next level. He seemed like he was very um, dedicated to the case of Oren and Orson. You know, he was the main kind of spokesman for the police for this case. I feel like they seem to have done a pretty thorough job in investigating it. Um, So I guess it's sad that he feels he can't take it any further. Yeah, and also maybe he just wants to fucking retire. Who wants to work for the rest of their life when you can retire? Especially for an under-resourced and understaffed, you know, Stressful division. job, I'm sure. Yeah. You know, that was kind of it. That was going to be the end of the podcast. But just as we were getting ready to record, there was an enormous update. Tuesday, <laughs> March 1, like literally yesterday, police filed murder charges against both Trizelle and Jacqueline. Both were charged with five counts, two counts of murder, two counts of felony child abuse, and one count of filing a false report of an emergency. For Paula Thompson, it did not come as a big surprise to her that the people arrested were the adoptive parents, Trezell and Jacqueline West. Even my parents say they, in that whatever six months they were supposed to be renting that house, they never once saw anybody. And their kitchen window like faces, you know, the back of that house and everything. They're like at the back of the house several times a day and they never saw anything or any lights on at night or anything. Paula Thompson's dad and stepmom live right behind this wooden fence. They say they could see right into Jacqueline and Trezell West's old California city home where the boys were first reported missing. But they say they never saw Oren or Orson West or any kids here for that matter. But I did always think that that sounded really, really fishy. And even watching the interviews, like when it first happened and everything, like the body language and just, I don't know. They didn't seem emotional at all. They didn't seem distraught. Police held a press conference today, just a few hours ago at the time of recording, and said that they believe the brothers actually died months before they were reported missing. They have not found the boys' bodies. So that leads me to believe that the remains in this wrongful death suit are probably not the boys. Uh Um, The DA, Cynthia Zimmer, said, however, I would like to emphasize the fact that law enforcement has not found their bodies does not preclude a murder prosecution. As a matter of fact, there have been many hundreds of what we call no-body homicides prosecuted across the United States successfully. Good morning. My name is Cynthia Zimmer. I am Kern County's District Attorney. I have information 
about Orrin and Orson West, the two young boys who were reported missing from California City 14 months ago. On December 21st of 2020, Orrin was four years old and Orson was three years old. Their adoptive parents in California City, Trezell West and Jacqueline West, reported to the California City Police Department that the boys had disappeared from their backyard. The California City Police Department began a search for the boys in the area around their home. After a period of time, the FBI joined in the search, as did the California Highway Patrol and search and rescue from the Kern County Sheriff's Department. The community also came out to assist in looking for the boys, but to no avail, they were not located. One week later, crucial information came to light that necessitated the involvement of the Bakersfield Police Department and the Kern County District Attorney's Office. Law enforcement worked diligently, hundreds of hours in the next 12 months looking for the boys. This morning, I'm saddened to announce that the investigation has revealed that Oren and Orson West are deceased. The investigation has also revealed that they died three months before their adoptive parents reported them missing. However, I am pleased to announce that this week, the Kern County Grand Jury indicted Trezell and Jacqueline West the adoptive parents for the murder of Orrin and Orson West. So both parents are being held without bail and they are expected to be arraigned in court on Thursday this week, which would be the third. Online records do not indicate whether they have attorneys yet to speak on their behalf. Um, Chief Greg Terry spoke at the press conference today and he said this is not the outcome that we in so many had hoped and prayed for over the last year. Our thoughts and prayers go out to the families of Oren and Orson, who with this news today, their worst fears have been realised. So, yeah, it's it's. I, I still find it unbelievable that they have been charged, Just, but for me, not because I don't think they did it. I think they absolutely probably did, but because it's just been so long, I just I wonder what's led them to charge them now. Well, the clip I was listening to today, it was talking about the grand jury and kind of how that works. So it seems like there was like a secret grand jury going on, kind of like what happened with Jeff West. And they went over the evidence that they had and decided that they had enough evidence to charge them that they thought that they could get a guilty verdict against them. But I know even like the secret like grand jury people, they went to the house and they were like walking around the yard and looking at stuff. I always think it's very interesting when there's a grand jury. Um, so I've read some other articles that say that they believe the boys died three months before they were reported missing. So that would be around September, I'm assuming. And that was probably around the time that the family moved. So you'd have to wonder if that is partly why they moved. 
it also yeah. makes sense um, as to why the boy's scent was maybe found inside the home in California City, but it wasn't found outside because they were essentially never outside. Their clothes or whatever may have given off scent in the home, but they were essentially never in that house. So crazy. It seems like they maybe tried to go on the run. It's still kind of confusing right now because it's like new information still. And it also doesn't really make sense to me as to why they would announce charges before they have them in custody because it lets this happen. Yeah. But I guess the charges were announced around this time and a news station found Trezell at a convenience store and like they kind of knew it was him, but he was pretending it wasn't him and saying he was someone else. And he was just like, he was like, oh, yeah, like I know the family or whatever. And they were just like, um, okay. And then I guess someone at who worked at the convenience store who had ID'd him for whatever the purchase was, was like, no, that was definitely him. And that's who took the picture of this mobile home RV type thing that him and Jacqueline are living in, I guess. And he posted it on Facebook kind of saying the story. It's kind of like a hectic post. It was taken down, but we have a screenshot of it, so we'll post that. And then I guess a couple hours later, um, this part's not clear either. It says that they found the RV on like the interstate. I don't know if it's like they pulled them over and that's where they were taken into custody or what exactly happened there yet. Yeah, I, I, it sounds to me from what I've read that they were pulled over by police and found. Like they're in an enormous RV. It's not like they were just in some nondescript van that you couldn't, you know, find. They were probably pretty yeah. obvious, but I'm fairly sure. Obviously, this has all just happened recently, but I'm fairly sure they were pulled over by police and arrested that way. Yeah, it's just weird. Hopefully, there's more clarity to the him pretending he wasn't him situation because <laughs> just he was like wearing a mask and sunglasses so i get how you could be like no no no, that's not me <laughs> i don't know so before we get on with the rest of the episode you've probably heard about microdosing. if you search around on the internet you'll find all sorts of people are microdosing to feel healthier and to perform better our show today is sponsored by microdose gummies microdose gummies deliver perfect entry-level doses of thc to help you feel just the right amount of good I got to try the gummies this week. They really do taste good and they feel amazing. I, as I've mentioned many times, have anxiety. I've always had a hard time sleeping. So I took one a little bit before bed and it totally helped me relax, calm down and kind of helped me stop the anxiety loop going on in my brain. And I was able to fall asleep much easier with the help of these gummies. All around, they've been a real 10 out of 10 for me. Microdose is available nationwide. To learn more about microdosing THC, just do a quick search online or go to microdosegummies.com and use the code TCS to get free shipping and 30% off your first order. Links can be found in the show notes, but again, that's microdosegummies.com and use the code TCS. We thank Microdose Gummies for sponsoring today's episode. So there has been another small update. Um, the parents or the attorneys for the adoptive parents entered not guilty pleas on the client's behalf on Thursday, and that was to the second degree murder charges. Um, when I had written the notes for this episode, it was before, or most of them were before they were arrested. So we were going to talk about some of the theories that had been posted online. There was some sold and trafficked and that maybe um, the timing of the family moving to their new house um, was important, which I think it is, but not for the reason of the boys being sold. Like some people were insinuating that they sold the boys so they could afford to buy this house. Um, I have seen that both the parents don't work. So there was a lot of discussion about how they could afford a house, how they were allowed to adopt all these children when they essentially couldn't support these children. Well, that's like I was 
started looking into this last night, and it's all kind of confusing to me. So obviously, if someone who knows more about this, feel free to message us and we can post the accurate information. But I think that you do get some sort of like compensation or aid yeah. for adopting children. So yeah, that's like why sure people that are always like, why would they adopt these kids if they don't want them, if they can't take care of them? And it's like, I mean, obviously not all the time. Maybe they did plan to take care of them, but some people have like a malicious intent of just like adopting kids or fostering kids just for money. I just, I just can't believe that they were actually allowed to adopt these children in the first place when they had no means to support them. Like even with, do you know what I mean? Like even if you do yeah, get like support you think you need an income. the adoption, yeah, you'd need to be able to prove that you can su- support these children, you would think. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how it works, really, and I don't want someone to yell at me, but <laughs> it does so, seem crazy. There, that, like, that was one of the theories, but I think the main theory was always that the, the adoptive parents had done something to the boys probably before they moved to California City. Um, the boys' biological cousin, Rosanna Wills, she was convinced that they had never made it to California City. She said something happened, something happened. Um, I did ask on Instagram and on our website for people to tell us what they thought had happened. Bad Mama said most likely the adoptive family did something to them before moving to this house. Wendy Lois Murray said the neighbor's camera capture says a lot, which is when the neighbor, they were seen with the four kids in the van, not the six kids as they said. Yeah, I thought that too. Someone on our website, Courts GBK, said, I'm not sure they ever made it to Bakersfield. But my first thought was they were accidentally left in a hot car and they panicked and got rid of the bodies then moved. They definitely had more kids than they could handle and should never have been allowed to adopt them in the first place. And Jack Sona spoke about something that we mentioned. So this is such a sad, sad case that really feels like it never got much traction. You have to wonder if the family was receiving adoption subsidies or something. I definitely question if the boys were ever at that house. And I did find an interesting comment on one of the videos online, which I think could explain maybe what happened um it's by a person named nikki lee and she said by mum when was at work when it happened and i think she's referring to the injury that the child sustained to, and that you know that consequently led to the boys being removed so she said so she didn't twist his leg but cps removed him anyway she was heavily pregnant at the time and when she had that one they removed him too so maybe that's the additional sibling we were talking about Trizelle had family who worked for cps who rushed the adoptions through I think he left them in the van probably as a punishment on a hot day and one or both died. It was an older van and he was seen burning van seats in the fire pit at his parents' house and he replaced that shitty van with an identical shitty one. The scent of the boys was detected on a couple of items in the house. Um, Yeah, and they said like a child could have slept on one of the mattresses early on before the move and the dog would have been able to still hit on it months later. So I feel like a lot of that could absolutely explain what happened. I never thought of the hot car theory, just not that it's like random, it just didn't cross my mind, but I feel like I could definitely see that happening. Because I feel like, you know, even if, for example, they did lash out in a rage at one of the boys for something, I feel like it would be um, not maybe as likely that they would murder two boys at once, but I can definitely yeah, see I was the hot car too. theory like, being an explanation for how they both died. And it's not like, I don't, again, I don't know, I just heard this on um, so in news clips I watched today that that Trezell and Jacqueline, like neither of them really had any issues with law enforcement, convictions, anything like that. Um, nothing, no history of abuse that was really known. So it's like, how does that escalate into not, how does that escalate into ki- like two kids being dead? 
And like you said, like two. So it's not like there's abuse gone wrong and one of them died. Like what would be the chances that both of them, unless also, that was the intent. If their younger brother was adopted, maybe, and like why wouldn't they also kill him? Like I, fe- I feel like, I don't know, obviously I don't know if it's what happened, but I assume the punishment thing could be what happened. Yeah, it would make, it's a plausible theory for how they both, two of them at one time, seemingly one time anyways, yeah, would pass away. I did also read some um, an interesting kind of statement in some of the articles from today that the district attorney said. She said that the week after the boys were reported mis- missing, quote, crucial information came to light that brought in the involvement of police in Bakersfield. Um, so maybe that is to do with him burning whatever he burned in the fire pit. That's the first time I ever seen him. Wearing gray jumpsuits and in handcuffs, those in the courtroom Thursday got a look at Trezell and Jacqueline West, who sat on opposite sides of the bench. Just knowing that they're handcuffed and they're not leaving is, is, a, is a blessing. Biological cousin to the missing boys, Rosanna Wills, agrees with the decision. No bail allowed. To keep them behind bars. I could finally get some sleep now, you know, knowing that they're not out just, you know, running. So, yeah, it's a lot of relief on our family. Judge Chad Louie also granted a request from the prosecution for sealing of the offense reports and probable cause declaration. In addition, the prosecution also requested a gag order, which was not granted Thursday. They can plead what they want, no contest, no guilt, not guilty, but we know they're guilty. Outside of the courthouse, community member Araceli Patino stood beside Wills and many others who followed the search over the last 14 months. We need to stand in justice for this baby because this baby should never have never gone through this. No parents should go through anything like this. Will says she is prepared for the trial, which is expected to begin May 23rd. There's nothing that's going to stop me from being here. Nothing. The Kearns, Kern County Superior Court judge said that Trezell and Jacqueline posed a significant risk to the public and that he ordered they be held without bail. Neither showed any emotion when they were in the court. They just, you know went on with it um, and that, that we've also learned that the court has imposed a gag order and has sealed the transcript of the grand jury's indictment so it might yeah. sounds like it might be a little while until we learn anything else I'm assuming that when the trial starts it might you know be revealed but at the moment we're not going to learn much more I don't think yeah not really shocking that they pled not guilty though no um, if anything else Major happens. We'll throw in a clip here, but I think we should be up to date because we actually just hopped on super quick a um, couple days before this comes out to just do a second recording and just to make sure we got all the updates in there. But if there's another update, we'll put a clip here. If not, we're just going straight to the outro. <laughs> so as everything up to date for Orin and Orson West, um, seems like there might not really be any updates for a bit, like Olivia was just saying, due to the gag order. Um, hopefully they will find them soon because it's, they haven't yet, but everything from this episode, any clips, any pictures, if you just are more of a person who wants to read to take it all in, you could check out the blog at truecrimesocietyblog.com. That will have everything in it that we discussed today. You can follow us on Instagram at truecrimesociety and our personal accounts if you want to get us, if you want to get to know us a little bit better. Mine is Steph Sum underscore and Olivia's is TCS Olivia. Both of them are linked in the bio of the True Crime Society Instagram. So 
if you don't remember them, you could just head right over there and find them that way. Um, very groundbreaking, exciting content coming from us, let me tell you. Lots of pictures of food, lots of pictures <laughs> of drinks. We're, we're still working on being having followers. <laughs> um, what else? We have the forum, like I always say, if you want to chat about crimes in a more anonymous way, it's like typical old school forum. You make usernames. That is at truecrimesociety.com. And leave us a review on Apple, Spotify. You can leave us a rating if you haven't done that yet. And also share the podcast. Help us grow and get bigger and be more successful. If you have friends who like true crime, if you have a mom who likes true crime, if you have in-laws who like true crime, let them know about the podcast. Maybe they'll like it and then they'll think you're super cool. (laughs) Um, But as always, thank you guys for listening. And we will be back next week with another episode. See you then. Bye. See ya. Bye. (laughs) 